Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, to tonight's uh, broadcast. Uh, we have back sitting over there in the box, a box and a box, but we're not going to tell you what's in the box yet because... That's for later. Hello, everybody. My name is Jason Hunt. And I'm Timothy Harvey. And uh, this is our second part of our discussion on the news and announcements coming out of New York Comic Con. And we are pre-recorded this evening, not live video, because I have to be in two places at once again. Uh, That seems to be happening quite a bit of late, which is... Kind of okay, because it's stuff I'm getting paid to do, but at the same time, <laughs> there's there's part of me that just rather be doing this, except I don't get paid to do this, so I don't know. And, and speaking of which, we have some options in the works for some different things there, so we'll be we'll be making some announcements a little bit later on toward the end of the year as we get closer to... 325 of these shows and 500 of Live from the Bunker. We've been doing this for a while. A little bit. A little bit. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) So so where do we start? Last week we talked about uh, a lot of the the movie and TV stuff that was coming out. But there's one there's one that we didn't get to and this is this is a show that has uh, constantly been under my radar because it's not one of those things where I'm sitting there and oh I, I, let's well let's watch the show because it keeps it keeps popping up but I, I've never watched it I haven't seen a whole lot of marketing about it and that's manifest which is this I guess it's a it's a show about They were on a they were on a plane and the plane disappeared and now they've come back. I guess I'm not sure what the the premise of this of this show is because it's it's so it's just kind of bounced around and nobody's really talked about it much. But they had a panel at New mm-hmm. York Comic Con and apparently this thing got canceled and it got revived. It got saved. Um, a fourth and final season on Netflix because it was on NBC. And it got canceled. And I remember we reported the news when it got canceled. Right. Um, but I, I've i never watched this show. Well, I, we've talked about this before. I think we're experiencing, as recording this, the same weird video thing on my end. Um, I don't know what you're seeing. but uh, You look fine right of, now. So. Okay. Well, <laughs> we, were, we were having all sorts of fun, weird Escher-esque uh salvador dolly visuals it went well with the horror report i mean it's you know it looked like it looked almost like it was an intentional thing but right. uh, i'm seeing some digitation here but anyway so uh as long as the voice part is coming through that's the part that matters right i suppose you don't need to look at my face <laughs> um but um i remember hearing about the show and i remember um thinking it sounded like an interesting idea uh but we've talked about this before we have so many choices now yeah and there are only so many hours in the day. And we're constantly in this state of being behind. Um, and every now and again, I, I'm lucky enough to have the time where I can sit down and binge something that I haven't watched before. Um, and But that doesn't happen anywhere near as often as I'd like. Right. Um, I mean, I'm if I'm lucky, if I'm lucky, I get maybe five hours... A week right now where I can just sit down and watch a thing and just watch it right I mean I, I can put stuff on as background noise yeah a large part of my day job involves you know building graphics and and spreadsheets and and PDF problem solving um, and this is stuff that I can have like you know if I I can have something on one playing on one computer as long as I don't have to, you know, that I don't need to focus on. Which, of course, you know, sometimes you just want to sit there and watch a thing. You don't want yeah. to be doing something else while you're doing it. Um, so yeah, um, the fact that it got saved, we've seen this before. Where we where 
you know enough interest is is there from from viewers um whether it's something really super high profile um you know you get the snyder cut thing um you know that's an example of it but here it's nice too and you get you know you're not always going to get somebody swooping in to save your show um when the folks behind it decide they aren't gonna you know produce it anymore um because these things are you know not cheap and even the fact that of course it's you know saved by netflix which has a track record of that's, not yeah, letting that's, shows laugh more than a year. Not saying uh, much. I mean, well, you've got you've got both Netflix and Amazon that some kind sometimes swoop in there to to save the day. I mean, Amazon did that with the Expanse, I think, right? And and you've right, got yeah. you know Netflix coming in with you know like Lucifer and and some other stuff. But, I think with some of the stuff, if you're only looking at like a, it, it again, as much as we would love to say this stuff has to do with with passion and art, we. The reality is that all of these things are businesses. Right. And so the equation can very easily, if you're looking for like one more season of something or one or two more seasons of something, a lot of times your Amazons, your Netflixes, your your you know, other networks that do this can sit there and justify that. We're going to bring those viewers, over, especially in the now that we're deep into the streaming wars. Although not everybody, not everybody has decided to participate in the streaming wars. I mean, David Zaslav over at Warner Brothers sits there and says, "We're not going to just spend our way through everything in order to just, you know, capitalize on streaming on everything." We're, sure, we're he's gonna... also apparently decided that you know he wants to tick off a significant chunk of the creative people who he probably doesn't want to lose. Um, what thirty? Thirty-three billion dollars in debt will do that, I guess. Forty-five sure. billion. I, I mean, mean he's gotta I'm, I'm he's gotta make some hard making, choices. I'm not saying he's not making good business decisions. I don't know that he is or I think, isn't. I'm not a businessman. I find I'm, it interesting. That, I find it interesting that people are making a whole lot of noise about you know twenty-five percent layoffs and it's hundred and twenty-five positions. Some of them which are they're already empty. And sure. like, it, well, it all it, depends it, it, on how the media spins it, and they hate him. So, well, he's all like I said, he's he hasn't exactly endeared himself with a lot of the the folks who actually were creating content for Warner Brothers, um, and that could come back to bite him. Um, I personally uh, would like to, you know, from an outsider perspective, not being an employee not being a stockholder, <laughs> just being somebody who watches stuff that Warner Brothers makes. Um, I don't think he's necessarily doing himself any favors. I don't have a personal feeling about him personally. I don't know the guy. Yeah. Um, and don't particularly have an interest in knowing the guy. He's the guy who runs a company. I don't, you know. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see how things play out. For good or for ill, it's playing out the way it is. You know, I don't... I'm not reading anything. Uh, I don't know that I'm reading anything actively nefarious. He, Warner Brothers bit him as a child. And he's waited this long to get his revenge or whatever. But <laughs> I mean, I, but I, you know, I, I think I think there's some definite. You can when you when you have enough creators of programming that you know, or who have, especially on the animation side, I think that that play that whole thing where so many things were just yanked without the people being involved in being told right um, that's burning your bridges with the folks that you may need to create the programs you want is often a bad idea just say no could work out just fine Warner Brothers might turn around and be a very profitable and and will be all five years from now talking about how great this all was. Well, and I think part of that, too, uh, extends not just to the TV and the film stuff, but the, the DC Comics. Because sure. you have a number of titles getting canceled because of low sales. Uh, and the internet, of course, is making hay with all of that, with, you know, the son, son of Superman getting canceled after 18 issues, and I Am Robin getting canceled after 17 issues because of low sales. And, and it's... Something to be uh, mindful of that the the threshold for a successful comic book 
continues to dwindle because used to be you had a really hot title if you were selling 100,000, 150,000 copies, and now that bar has gotten significantly lower. And these books are selling, I think the, la- the number that I saw the last... The last uh, Jonathan Kent story, uh, book was like thirty-four thousand. So but, they're not uh, even but, they're not even making the threshold for royalties. Well, well, we're, again, we don't know what the streaming num- the, the the digital numbers are, or the pirate is, numbers. Well, yeah, but but uh, the Jonathan Kent Superman title is getting a six-issue mini. And then another series after that from the same creative team. So it's not canceled. Well, this is a renumbering thing that comic book companies, no, I know, I know, much to our annoyance, I know, constantly do. So that's not getting recanceled. Batman, uh, Robin is currently uh, in the Robin versus uh, Batman, Batman versus title, Robin, yeah. and there's another Robin com- comic coming after that. There, I get, I get that this stuff makes great headlines. But they're just doing what comic book companies do, which is they take a title, they renumber it, and it becomes a new number one, which drives up sales. And then after a while, they sit there and go, oh, look, it's an anniversary issue. Let's restore the original numbering. And now it's <laughs> issue 600. You know, And you're like, but, but the last 20 issues have been issues 1 through 20, and now you're back at... It, this stuff makes for great headlines and, it, and and clickbait. But the reality is is that they're doing what they've been doing for the last 30, 40 years of com- well, 30, 30 years of comics, really. And it's just, I mean, you know. What I'm going to be interested in seeing, and I haven't I haven't read a comic book in I don't know how long because like like you're talking about earlier, I just just I just don't have time. There's there's not enough time, there's not enough hours in the day, and quite honestly, some of the behavior of a lot of the creative teams has turned me off of it as well. I'm just like, well, I'm just not even going to engage with any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I will be interested to see. If the stories coming out of the new the new stuff ha- are are similar in tone and similar in style to the stories that are in the canceled books, because creative teams being what they are, you know, sometimes editorial can sit there and say, you know what, this book wasn't selling because you're not telling sure. the right kind of story. You need to tell something different. Well, that's and, actually what your your editor of your line, that's kind of their job. Well, yeah, but when you have editors and assistant editors who are children in their 20s, I mean... Well, but remember that the, some of these, these companies got founded by children in their 20s. So that's not... The, you and I are reaching that point now. Yeah, but that was that was a long time ago. And that and that so, industry has changed so much since it was first just, you know, the pulse there are the 20-year-olds who are geniuses, and sometimes they hire them. I, I The age part doesn't bother me. Um, so that's a good question. Now, from what I understand, the, the Superman book um, is getting what renamed to Adventures of Superman. We're going to get Adventures of Superman number one, and it's okay, going cause, to... Okay, yeah, because that title hadn't been used for a while. So right. Like, let's do, we're doing a six-issue mini, and then the what... There's a, apparently another... That title is going to continue in some way in a new series, which is apparently hush-hush, because the six issues... It's, it's six issues for a reason, and mm. I'm air-quoting here, because that's what... It's for a reason. It's like, okay, that's right. great. We'll see what happen, what that is. Um, so, now, I know we're getting the Robin, which is the Tim Drake comic. Um, now, the Damian Wayne that's, Robin that's is continue- getting- got, got the Batman... Batman versus Robin. Robin versus Batman. Right. Um, that is is ongoing right now. And that's going um, to launch. That's going to launch the Lazarus story that right. kicks off next year because apparently the volca- the 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 mountain where the Lazarus pit is located is a volcano and it's going to explode and it's going to send Lazarus pit stuff into the atmosphere and it's going to create all sorts of problems. That's yeah. The next so thing. I read. I read. The, I've I've been reading uh, Robin versus Batman. Batman versus Robin. I can't, it's one. It's one it's, of the it's two. Ba- it's Batman versus Batman versus Robin. Okay. 
Um, and have you been have you been reading it legally? So I've been reading it, uh-huh. and Alfred comes back. Spoiler alert! Now, for those of you who have not been following comics lately, Alfred's been dead for a little while. Bane murdered him. Um, and that storyline has actually ago? played out. The repercussion of that storyline has been playing out over in um, uh, a Jason Todd focused title. Mm-hmm. But um, Al- uh, there's a knock at the door. Bruce Wayne opens it, and there's Alfred going, I don't know why I'm alive either. <laughs> um, and, you know, if your suspicions have been raised, don't, yeah, well, they might, there might be a reason for that. But there's this moment where they are. Um, they've been given a, kind of like a vision of the past and, and how they, how, why Damien is acting the way he is. And part of that reveals the origin of the Lazarus pits. How did, where these things come from? Because we've never, you know, Ra's al Ghul has been using them, but there's never been a, this is how he created them. There's right. never been that explanation. Yeah. So there's like this moment where it's explained and Alfred kind of leans over to Batman and goes, did you know there was an origin for the Lazarus Pits? <laughs> Batman's like, well, I kind of figured there was. I just didn't know what it was. <laughs> and I was just like, that's all right. That that line made me smile because you could just see this like, you know, because essentially at this point, I mean, Alfred is Bruce Wayne's father for all intents and purposes. And he, you know, Pretty much. So you can really, you could see, I could, I could really see like my dad leaning over to me and going, did you know that? No, you know. So I mean, I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying that title a lot. But it's interesting because it how it's going to expand out into this larger storyline. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But um, where what's what's happening with with the Damian uh, Wayne character, his version of Robin? Where that's going, I'm not sure what the plan is for that yet. I don't think I've got we've seen anything that's like specific yeah um with with uh tim drake returning to the you know a, a title that's specifically focused on him as robin I, i'm sure that damien will go into a different uh into something else i kind of enjoyed i think it went on too long but i i enjoyed the um the storyline that they're running in his title where he was off on this uh island fighting um, a bunch of younger villains in a in a tournament. It was it was often very enjoyable, which was something that I was considering that Damien is often painted as this super intense, dangerous child. And it was just kind of fun to watch him be that and also be uh, a, a funny teenager. Um, I think they stretched out a couple more issues than it needed, but yeah. welcome to welcome to uh <clears throat> comic books um spider-man <laughs> right so we've got this other title here that's that's coming to the dc uh lineup multiversity harley screws up the dcu written by frank well, Gary. considering how all right so on one hand on one hand do we not have enough multiversity stuff happening over on Mar- the side of Marvel right now because we Marvel have... has got so many um, you know variant versions much. of characters and some of it's interesting. I mean there's an Avengers there's an Avengers title right now which is all about alternate versions of the Avengers which is actually kind of fun. Um, there's the Jessica Jones alternate thing. Um, um, which, which is actually called I... uh, it's called Variants. Yeah, Variants um, which is really if you're a fan of the Netflix series and you're a fan of the comic, the fact that you basically get the crossover between the two um, mm-hmm. is really nice. But there's also some, it's, I was kind of surprised just how painful some of the emotions are in there because one of the variants is somebody who never went through the, the mental assault um that the other ones did yeah so she's she's got this she's happy she's she's outgoing she's bubbly and they're all like i was like wow that's a gut punch but so i mean you're you've got all these things so i mean the 
Harley's a lot of fun. So it, that looks like it could be interesting. Um, I think we've gotten to a point, though, where Harley is overused. I think, I mean, we've, we've, we're well past the Harley saturation point, I think. Oh, but I, the thing is, is that at this point, I think she still has fewer titles than Batman. So uh, <laughs> that's true. However, it's still, there's still way too much. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying um, her solo series. I'm enjoying the alternate version of her in the, um, um, the White Knight series. Oh right, yeah, the uh, Sean, where, Sean yeah, she's Murphy, the post, the her, um, which currently is is got one of its storylines running as well, um, and uh, because it's almost a completely different version of the character, but it's recognizable as the character, which is nice. Um, so I mean, I I have not reached saturation, but I also don't pick up everything, so. I'm sure that uh, uh, I'm I'm missing out on some things and, and keeping myself from not overloading. Um, there are a number of titles that you kind of have to get. It's like the X-Men titles right now. There's like, what, six different X-Men titles? Yeah, something like um, that. And all of them right now are part of a big story where it's X-Men versus Avengers versus the Celestials. So it's like... yeah. Actually, it's it's um, the X Men are not versus the Avengers. It's the world versus Celestial, and the world has failed, and the Celestial is going to destroy everything. <clears throat> However, not all Marvel comics are coming to an end. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you don't expect there to not be a solution, right? Right. Um, we did mention Once in Future King a number of times uh, uh, at various points. That comic series has just come to an end. The last issue just came out. Yeah. And I thought it was for a comic book that is about stories, ultimately. Lots of action, cool stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's about story and telling stories. Interesting ending. Yeah. I was, I'm, I think I'm satisfied. I have to think about it. No. Yeah. Well, we were talking about Jonathan Kent a little bit earlier with the rest of the the rest of the DC stuff. I mean, we've got quite a bit of Superman relaunch stuff. What mm -hmm. what strikes me in some of the stuff that's getting announced is the creative teams that are involved because you have Josh Williamson that is coming in. You've got uh, you've got Kal-El coming back to Earth because mm -hmm. he's been off doing his thing, whatever. Right, he's already back, and and so you we're kind of a return to status quo there, where the actual real Superman is back where he belongs, and and you know, for good or ill, whatever that is. But you've got Action Comics back. You've got um, you've got Dan Jurgens and Lee Weeks coming on board. Uh, I think I saw. Um, so we got Leah Williams, artist Marguerite Savage will introduce will reintroduce Power Girl in a three part story uh, as a backup to the Lazarus Planet crossover. Um, I mean Tom Taylor for for all that anybody thinks that Tom Taylor is really really good writer. There are a lot of people that think that Tom Taylor is a hack writer. So you know your mileage may vary on this stuff. But Dan Jurgens, Lee Weeks. I mean I saw I think I saw Jerry Ordway's name on something. I'm like, wait a minute. DC's actually getting some talent in in some of these books. What's up with that? And I think that's probably, you know, besides what kind of stories are you going to tell? The other the other part of that, because this comes what three months, four months after some editor somewhere said that that Walt Simonson was old fashioned, and I'm like. Walt Simonson, I would, I would love to have Walt Simonson draw something for a book if I'm doing a book, you know? I mean, I've even put it out there because we've got this print magazine that we're thinking about doing. I would love to have Louise Simonson write a short story and have Walt do an illustration for it, you know, because well, it's Walt Simonson. Are, sure, and I, would, I, I agree, but there are, you know, people, people can have opinions and you can disagree with them. Um, I, uh, I, I don't agree with that. Walt Simonson opinion at all um, <laughs> but on the other hand um, quite frankly I don't have an issue with Tom Taylor 
as a writer most of the time personally i think well that's a really interesting image that we're getting yeah. there for my <laughs> i got camera. an indicator I'm, here that says your network bandwidth is low so it appears to be on your side <laughs> could, there we go I, i'm sure it is um yeah so i think that uh um some of these folks you know have the bringing back someone with a proven track record um i think that's that's a good thing well and i have to uh, wonder because i mean you know you'd, you'd like to think so anyway you would like to think so but the, well, the and, other part well you know, and that goes that goes to a video uh, uh something that perch had talked about because there's all this all this conversation back and forth about you know how much money you're going to spend on talent because mm. the cheaper your talent probably the less talented they are because you know you're going to you're going to get somebody like a you know if 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 Perez were still alive you know mm. and and if and if George Perez were still willing to work with DC he'd be much more expensive than somebody like a Gabby Rivera or you know and and, and Perch was talking at one point if DC wants to be successful, if Marvel wants to be successful, if they want to reclaim that that you know bigger sales numbers, they're going to have to put some money into their talent. And a lot of people took exception to that. So like, well, you don't want to pay these people anymore. He's like, no, no, no. You want to pay. You want to pay for good talent. You want to you. And it looks like somebody has sat there and said, you know probably should get some people with a track record with a history with a, with some longevity in this to draw people back in and maybe we should hire people that are a little old fashioned every now and again to to well, get some stuff well but necessarily mean these the, I, see these ideas whatever whether none of these projects happen none of these books happen without someone making a pitch for them so if Jerry Ordway comes to them with a pitch and they're like, yes. You know, or someone goes to, hey, we, here's the idea. This sounds like something that Jerry Ordway should write. That's how this works. Right. They don't just sit there, they don't just sit there and hire these folks and go, do what you want to do, because that's not how these companies run themselves. Right. So, but the idea that editorial is willing to consider hiring these people who have some 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 history. Oh, I, never, I don't think there's ever been a question of being willing. It's a question of whether or not they thought it was the plan, right? And the, one of the things, the problems that DC has had for a while now, and sometimes they get better at it and sometimes they get worse, hmm. is that every crisis on infinite earths. It all goes back. Um, is that periodically they feel the desire to try and make all new everything, and so they'll make a brand new version of the universe. Which, again, it's an infinite number of issue number ones, um, and fans have made it clear that we'd really rather you don't. Yeah. Um, and then DC steps back and gives them something that looks a lot like what it was before and then they come up with another crisis and currently we're in the middle of dark dark crisis dark crisis on infinite earth this is literally yeah. a sequel to that original series with some of which with like the big bad is pariah from that series so I'm I'm not sure how I feel about it um, because I've read some good stuff out of this and I've also read some eh. Um, but it's another one of those, my personal issue with, with this right, series right now is that there are, what, seven or eight core issues mm -hmm. and a ton of... Read this for the... It's not Which is, I get it. It's exactly I, what Crisis on Infinite Earths did. Because yeah, you had twelve issues, and then you had all of the ancillary uh, but you satellite could read, stories. You could read the twelve issues. Everything else, I, I this feels a lot more like. Um, is it more homework? You have to read well, this yeah, in order uh, to read yeah, this. Yeah, it's almost like yeah. you have to. If you if you want to know what happened to 
Green Arrow and and Black Canary, right? There's an issue for that. One issue for that. I mean, the thing is, you're not you don't have to go buy you don't have to like drop into a bunch of other different series. They're doing like these one shots, right? right? But I'm like, okay, you know what you could do because DC is doing this in some of their books, which is they've got their main story, and then there's a secondary story. Yeah, back which up. is an, which is an old school thing. You and I saw this a lot when we were younger, right? So I'm kind of like I kind of like seeing it again. Um, I would personally, and this is an opinion. People, other people might be loving this. Whatever, I'd rather see like here's you know the Justice League book during the middle of this, or or here's go you know, um, Dark Crisis number four, and the, here's the main story, and here is the the second story which is here's what's going on with martian manhunter and number three was here's what's going with you know again it's tastes whatever um but i mean it's they've restored the multiverse okay which is why we're getting a power girl series i can guarantee you that someone went there sat there and went we're restoring the multiverse can we please finally <laughs> define they, they already have by the way they they actually uh already um explained the power girl is a survivor of the original multiverse yeah and that's 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 been her that is her official thing but um yeah anyway it's again there's so many comics <laughs> yeah they're just like tv shows it's like I can only follow so many of them at a time. Well, in Marvel, you know, you've got a number of different events going on over there because right now we've got Avengers Assemble coming up in November, which is, Mm -hmm. I think, the Jason Aaron one that you were talking about. You've got Dark Web in December. You have Sins of Sinister in January. I mean, can we we not space these out any at all? And we're getting one a month. Captain America Cold War in the spring of 2023... Summer of Symbiotes in summer of 2023, Fall of X in summer 2023. So are are they getting rid of Krakoa, possibly? Is that whole thing so going away? Because what, that what got they've been building up results. to, apparently, and, and I guess my understanding is that the current stuff going on um, was, you know, while the original creative team, which did this whole Age of X thing, mm-hmm. Um, has moved on to other stuff. The original outline, I think, I guess, I guess they're still playing with the original outline, um, or at least influenced by it. Who knows? Um, and at this particular point, um, the X Men have basically colonized Mars. Um, Krakoa turns out there were two islands. Um, one um, and one is now one of those is now part of the colonization thing on Mars. There are uh, mutants are millions of years older than people thought they were. Um, and the public being aware that the mutants can now resurrect themselves has turned into a PR nightmare. Oh, I'm sure because. People are asking, why just mutants? Why can't you save my dad? Why, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, legitimate questions, right? When someone, you find out that a, a small group of people has resurrection technology. Sure. Um, so chaos erupts and the celestial thing happens and, and all this stuff. Um, and they've already broken the rule. Uh, they've already resurrected Captain America when he's, when the celestial kills him. Um, and, uh, so it's not just mutants, the technology works on anybody. Um, and so, so yes, I think what they are building up for is this whole idea that, I mean, cause it was an interesting experiment in terms of story, which is the mutants have always been, you know, um, they never had a place of their own, right. Or, or if they had, it's been taken away. Right. Here, it's much more, the mutants have a place of their own they've established this position of power. And I think that what we're going to see is pride and deception. Because a lot of, a lot of what this world that 
Xavier and and Magneto and some of the other leaders of the of the mutants has done, a lot of it has has a level of deception involved. People were not told the whole truth. And as these these truths are coming out, it's almost like, okay, you know, we want the mutants to have a position of power, you know, for not not be worried about humanity, you know, wiping them out ever again. Well, how do you get there? The choices you make, the decisions you make, and there's a current theme running through the titles that's basically um, good intentions are are great, but what means do you take to accomplish those good intentions? Right. Yeah. So um, it's interesting. It's you know, some interesting stuff, but there's a ton of different titles right now. You've got you've got um, one that Kitty Pride's in uh, uh, the main character of. You've got uh, the Captain Britain. We're getting a new Captain Britain series uh, with Betsy Braddock. Um, she's been uh, the main one of the uh, one leading one of the X Men teams. Um, X Men Red. You've got. Uh, oh yeah, Immortal X Men. Yeah, there's a bunch of different titles. It mm -hmm. flashes back to the 1990s, Jason. It, I think there, there, there might be too many X Men titles right now. Yeah. Just saying. See, and that's and that's where you get into. I mean, because you look at stuff like that, you look at you know all of the different X Men titles. You've got uh, you know the Superman family. You got the Batman family. You have you know back in the day you had all of these different Avengers titles. How much is too much? I mean, at well, some point <sighs> you get oversaturated. I mean, we we make the joke frequently now with more Batman because DC Comics apparently seems to think that they can't sell a book that doesn't have a Bat character in it somewhere. X Men. Uh, the the Marvel did it for a while, but now it's Wolverine. Um, wow. You know, but if you go back in time, um, you go back to what did it say the the fifties and sixties, where you had what Superman? You had how many different Superman titles? Because you literally had a comic called Superman Family. Yeah. Um, but and see, the you Superman, had, Superman Family was kind of an anthology type of thing. Sure. So it was a completely also, different had, format. But you, you had, had a lot of you had Superboy, you had Supergirl, you had Lois Lane had her own title for a while. Yeah. Um, Nightwing I, and Flamebird. Yeah, you. I mean, so there are this. This is not a new phenomenon in comic books. So they basically have at, at various points, you know, these characters become clearly sales drivers, mm -hmm. and so they are going to sit there and expand those out as much as you can. And I think that you look at something, you know, both both companies do it. Yeah, there's been a bunch of different Avengers titles. There have been a bunch of different Spider-Man titles. Um, there, I think we are currently at the lowest number of Wolverine titles right now uh, <laughs> that we've ever been. Or except, well, I think no. They, at one point, it was just one title, but now I think we're down to two or three. Yeah. But even so, we're looking at much smaller numbers. Um, but this stuff goes in waves. Um, I think that some of this stuff is, you know, I mean, I. I am as as a reader. I tend to pick like one or two titles. I don't necessarily need. I don't need the complete set. I don't have to catch no. them all. Um, I don't need to read every Batman title, you See, know, that's that, out there. And that gets me. That gets me thinking. At, at some point, when you when you look at uh, you know the the cost benefit ratio, right? And you've got to spend money on all of these creative teams. You've got to spend money on the process of actually publishing these things and getting them printed and all of that stuff. Somebody, a, a Jim Shooter type, needs to be in there to sit there and say, okay, we have too many titles being published right now. We need to cut the line by half and say, take that money and spend it on better talent, better marketing, you know, look at getting, getting our books into new markets or whatever, whether it's, an, whether it's international or if it's into a different kind of store or something. Mm. Because across the board, sales for comic books and i'm not counting manga in that manga is blowing the doors off of regular comic books but comic well, books except, but they're, they're also apples and oranges 
Well, I know, it, I know, but but see, the thing about it is, everybody that sits there and says, "Oh, comics are doing fine," they want to include manga sales in there, and and you're right, they are completely are. A- apples and oranges. You can't compare the two. But when you look at the sales numbers, and everybody keeps talking about how the comics industry is doing fine, manga makes up for, what, uh, 70% of sales right now? It's crazy. Here's here's the thing. For me, and and I know other people look at it differently, they look at it as comics as being, you know, when I I think of comics, I think of the um, primarily superhero. There's other other genres, definitely, Mm. and, 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 and primarily... Um, we're looking at um, mostly American. There's some British. Um, the the British comic industry has always been around. It's been always been much much smaller, right? Um, than than the U.S. market, obviously. Um, so I mean, if if you look at the comics industry as a whole, manga is part of the comic books industry as a whole. It's doing fine. I personally tend to look at the superhero markets. That's most of what I read. Yeah, um, but oh, there's a few other. Uh, some, there's there's also some some horror stuff, but blah blah. That's much smaller. Expected to be much smaller runs anyway. Right, but you, frankly, but you also without, understand though without that manga is a completely different format type of comic. I mean, yes, it's an illustrated picture book yeah. and and stuff, but it's nothing like a traditional American comic book. Well, and the thing is, is that there they very few, and I know there are some, but very few. Manga titles are superhero titles, which is the right. bulk of the American comic book market. Right. Um, personally, again, I think the part of the problem is is that we really don't have any idea what the digital sales numbers for anybody's stuff is, and we don't know how many people how many how many people are subscribed to Comicsology. Um, well, Comicsology doesn't exist anymore, really. But it, well, it's, it's a valid point. We don't know any of the numbers. And and so the print numbers is what we can go on, and those you know there's no question those numbers are lower. Um, but also you yeah. know if you're not consuming, I, I, I read most comic stuff digitally at this point, right? And that's not actually my preferred way of doing it. But in terms of economics, in terms of when I can sit there and get a comic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a much more tactile person. I would much rather read a book or hold a comic in my hand. Um, but the realities of my life right, right now. Well, the, the question is, I mean, I, I pres- I'm I going to uh, presume that Marvel and DC and Dark Horse and all the other companies, they know what their digital numbers are. I'm sure somebody, they've got to they've have an accountant for that, right? Well, and um, the, but the other part of that, too, is you, when you look at the numbers that we do have, you know, sales numbers. Let's say, okay, so the the eighteenth comic, the eighteenth issue of the Jonathan Kent book, the one that just got canceled, thirty four thousand copies sold. That's not at the retail level. That's not at the customer level. That's the shop. That's sure, the right. that's the bookstore, the comic book shop buying however many copies they want to put on their shelf. But that's that's that, the same way we tracked numbers 10 years ago and 20 years ago, right? Right. But if we have if we have point-of-sales data, which in, in the book industry, they do have access to that type of information. In the book industry, in, in the, the book, comic industry. book industry. But the technology is there to oh, do sure. that. Oh, yes. Well, and, there, there's... So here's, here's the problem with comic book sales in general, is that comic books... It, with most situations, are non-returnable. So if you said, if your sales number, if you, if you, if your sales numbers for a comic were one hundred and fifty thousand, right, that's to the comic book shops. That's not to the customer, right. So, and the comic book shop was stuck with those titles if they didn't sell. So the problem with all of these numbers is that. If it were I, and it's not, and I don't have any special insider knowledge about any of this stuff, folks, I'm I'm not going to claim that I I know this to be true. By the but way, suspected... if anybody has any inside information you want to share with us, we're yeah, we're open to that. To hear it. I mean, you can confirm if this if my theory is anywhere remotely correct. I have had a theory for a while that because production costs are costs that 
you eat no matter what. Back in the day when you would make 150,000 copies of Batman 232 yeah. um, and send out in the stores, recognizing that you are not going, that you, know, you don't have to worry about pulping the ones that don't sell. Um, after a while, that's not really an economically sensible model. If you're really only selling 60,000 of those copies, and you know you're only selling 60,000 of those copies, and you're getting feedback from comic book shops that you're only selling 60,000 of those copies, yeah. it is. it does not make sense economically to print 120,000 uh, 120, of those. It's wasted product. That's wasted resources, and it's wasted money. So yeah. the problem I have with all the discussion about numbers right now is, A, we don't know digital. Right. B, just because a comic isn't selling well doesn't mean it's because we don't have that actual point of sale data. And we've never had that point of sale data. Right. The number of people who are actually going home with that book versus the number of people who were going home with that book 10 years ago or 20 years ago may be wildly different or a lot closer than we think because it's the same point of sale data issue. Right. So if you, like I said, if you were printing 120,000 and you're only selling 30,000, you still, we, we sent out 120,000 copies. Yes. Yes. This is true. Well, Doesn't it's the same. It's the same you know? as it's same as fudging the numbers on the net on the on the streaming stuff now. Because, you know, I mean, Lucasfilm is notorious for it. Where where you have, you know, where Obi Wan versus Stranger Things, perfect example of this. Where you had Stranger Things dropped at the same the same weekend as Obi Wan Kenobi, mm. and so Obi Wan Kenobi, we get two episodes, I think, the first week. So now Lucasfilm and Disney can sit there and say, you know, where where instead of 40 minutes you watched 80 minutes. So now if you have 1000 people watch 40 minutes and 80 thing 80 th so now they can now they can inflate their numbers and look how great this thing is doing. Well, it's doing all this great stuff only because you put out more than one episode. As opposed to, you know, and, and they did it with Andor as well, because you had three episodes get dropped then. And you, you, you look at how they manipulate the information that they put out to, to, and not just, I'm not just Disney and Lucasfilm, it's all of them that do it. Oh, I mean, yeah, the whole, the whole premise that somehow a show is successful because of the number of hours it was watched. Right. So I, I, I understand what they're, what they're saying here right it's like okay this is viewing numbers matter viewing time matters therefore if this show has got a million hours a lot of people watched it blah 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 yeah and and that's fine and that's true um but and here's part of the thing i i I, again, we come back to the fact that these, all of this is a business, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about somebody making money somewhere. And it's generally not, A, the people who are actually... The people who are not making the money are the people who actually are writing and drawing and making these comics. They just saw... Uh, and, and it's not just limited to comic books. Just this, I just saw this online uh, today, I think. Today or yesterday. The lady who voiced Bayonetta. One oh, of the yeah. biggest video games franchises around voiced uh the first two games for the third game the one that's about to come out the amount of money they offered her to voice the third game was four thousand dollars for the entire game and that was their second offer mm. she declined the first one because it was apparent i mean if it's less than four thousand dollars right and voice artists get paid nowhere near enough as it is but that's an insulting rate for the amount of time that goes into doing one of these things. Well, not uh, only that, I mean, given how popular that that game is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's. You know. This is a rare occasion where you see somebody sitting there going, "I'm calling for a boycott," and you're like, "I, I, I see your point." I saw <laughs> that, and somebody somebody did the math and said basically they've they've offered her sixty six copies of the game. That's yeah, the equivalent. And, and how many have they sold? 
this is less than two months rent for her and at this particular point um she because voice work pays as low as it does she said uh i welcome their coming after me for breaking the non-disclosure agreement because i don't have anything they can take mm. and which is a terrible terrible uh indictment of the fact that these companies all of these companies i realize warner brothers has got their whole thing but they've got a ton of actual money to spend we hear about all these bankruptcy numbers but in terms of operating capital these folks actually do have money look at what the executives get paid but and then you look at these gaming companies it's the same thing yeah they're making you know uh, this is um i can't remember the name of the company that makes bayonetta uh is it epic i don't think it's no epic. it's not i can't remember it doesn't, that doesn't matter it applies across the board right now and then you see all these stories coming out about about issues going on with video game companies it's not just video game companies obviously we're just getting a lot of news about that uh in the last year or so yeah where the fact is is that they're making a lot of money and it's expensive to make a game and it, whether it, the video game industry and we see this with special effects companies right now too where it takes a long time to do this stuff and they've given a deadline they've given a release date and none of these people get paid enough. and a lot of people at the very top get paid a lot um and I'm not saying executives shouldn't get paid a lot. They're exec in theory, they're executives for a reason. And sometimes that jo those jobs are very difficult. Yeah. But a lot of the folks on the ground level who are actually creating the thing that you're selling, the special effect artists, the the animators, the game designers, yeah. the voice actors, the comic book writers, you know, the the comic book the comic book editors, the comic book colorists, all of these folks um are putting out creating this content for us they're creating this stuff they're building these worlds that we care about and these characters we care about and whether it's comics or games or anything i mean it's it, it's book publishing right now too book publishing right the the era of the big advance mm -hmm. is gone right, that's right. over that's been gone for a while uh, unless you're somebody like stephen king and i'm not knocking stephen king you're not getting paid a lot of money for a book. Well, and I think that's, that's why you're starting to see you're starting to see so many go into the indie indie publishing route because <laughs> I can control it, I can exploit it, I can make my money off of it, and and I'm not having to worry about you know you know getting paid peanuts to do something that I'd have no control over. Right, and, and I think there's some there's some real benefit the the self publishing world, whether it has been music or comics or novels or or um independent film mm -hmm. has existed for as long as all of these industries have existed and we we've seen this big explosion with with folks doing it on their own for good and for ill because i you know fair warning folks um you oh help me out here jason what's the name of the the writer writer beware yes writer beware okay. Okay, that folks, if you're if you're interested in going into any any of this stuff as an independent artist, um, look at check out sites like Writer Beware, Be, it, that focuses on the publishing industry uh, because it's rife with and there was just a big scandal. There were two big scandals in publishing um, recently involving self publishing world and, mm -hmm. and some of this stuff. Um, Christine Catherine Rush, I think, also has a blog um that's that's good on that stuff and there's another one um it's i want to say it's michael jan friedman but i don't think it's michael jan friedman i think it's somebody else but the, yeah there are there are several out there that have the the cautionary tales and yeah. and the writer beware one started mainly because there was a time where you had these uh vanity press type of operations where you know, will publish your book but you pay us x amount of money and you know, that kind of thing but yeah folks there is almost no situation where you should have to pay someone else to publish your book right um if as i i know that you know you, you have mixed feelings about amazon all you like um a lot of authors do a really good job selling stuff through amazon that's not the only avenue yeah so i mean there's there's different ways to do this but 
yeah, check this stuff out. I mean, whether if if you're gonna be if you're gonna be an independent comic publisher, um, you know, there's there's resources out there for you. If you're gonna be independent music, you know, independent film. All of these things have resources to help protect you. Um, and and yeah, there's real there's real positives for some of the creators, and we've seen some of the some creators go off and do their own thing with varying degrees of success like anything else um so i mean it's it's definitely an a, a model that can have a lot of potential the problem with that model is that you are doing all the all the work that the structure of a marvel or a dc or a dark horse or idw or whatever right. already has um but you know so it's it's trade-off and, um, and for the record, I just want to want to clarify on something here based on on something that you said earlier. Um, our particular situation here, uh, none of the executives are getting paid any more than any of the other creators that are a part of this operation. So just just to just to make sure everybody understands, none of us are making any money off of this. It'd well, be nice I, if we I were. I mean, I would love to pay everybody to do this kind of thing, and sure. and then I could crack the whip a little bit more. But also true. Yeah. Um, I think you know. I think that part of the part of the the upside of doing stuff on your own is that you have complete control. Um, you you know, you don't have to worry about um, you all of the income. And all of the expenses yes. come come to you and go out through you. And there there's a downside as well, is that you have to be responsible for running the business part of it. Yeah. Um and you know, so I mean there's some real but you know, it's 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 not a new model. It just happens to be one that as the industry changes might become more attractive to other people. The the positive side, potentially, is that it can see that some of these folks actually get paid. The downside is, is that unfortunately for somebody like, you know, the lady who did Bayonetta's voice, and I can't remember her name, um, you know, she's not in a position where somebody else, she she can't strike out on her own and, and voice Bayonetta, a character that she created the voice for, you know, right. on her own. She just can't. That's... Well, and the other thing, too, and, and this is something that has been going on, because I, I talked to Tom Kane about this once. Um, the... The voice industry has evolved quite a bit over the last 30, 40, 50 years because for a long while you had voice artists and then you had actors. Right. And you had, mm-hmm. the, you had the movie actors and you had the TV actors and you had right. voice artists. And for the longest time, movie and TV actors would not lower themselves to do voiceover work until they realized, hey, I could make money doing voiceover work and I don't have to get up into makeup and costume and be on set and all this. And I think the first one that I recall recognizing was Tom Selleck doing some RV commercials. Mm. But you have, you know, uh, Ed Harris, Nancy Allen, a lot, a lot of celebrities, a lot of Hollywood actors started doing voiceovers for commercials. And your voiceover artists now suddenly are out of work. Because they're they're competing with folks who have who require actually a uh, bigger paycheck. Yeah, because you've got Morgan Freeman to come voice your coffee commercial. Exactly. I'd buy coffee but that Morgan Freeman told me to buy. It's Morgan <laughs> Freeman. You trust Morgan Freeman's voice. That's how it works. Right. Um, and so, if you can't I, afford Morgan Freeman, you'd get Tom Kane to do an impression of Morgan Freeman. That's right. But the thing is, is that Morgan Freeman is going to cost more yeah. than the average voice artist. And, you know, the now there are, because of the rise and growth of, of the audiobook industry and and the, the expansion of, of gaming, we have so many more gaming options than we used to have. Yeah. Um, there's in some cases there's more opportunities, some cases there aren't. Um, but again, they're cutting. You know what they pay these folks is is it's legal. Yeah. But but you know and it, uh, the the question of discussing what what the definition of a living wage is is a matter of lots of debate. People have various opinions on that. 
but you should at least pay them what they're they're worth and quite frankly um four thousand dollars for all the all the vocal work in a video game i mean i don't know i don't know if people realize how long it takes to record that stuff I think it depends on how many different branches, story branches you're going to do. Apparently this is a multiverse title too. Yeah. So I I don't I don't I I have played exactly I don't know 5 minutes of a band in a game uh, in my life. Um but apparently uh this is like you got multiple versions of Bayonetta in it. Yeah. Um so and there's there's a voice actress who took on the role and is playing the role in this and quite frankly she probably had bills to pay and made a hard decision that you know nobody very few actors want to come in and be the person who's replacing right uh, especially uh, if you're replacing somebody who's popular right yeah. but at the same time you know um she's got to eat too yeah so i i, I have I have great sympathy for both uh, the voice actors here and none for the company yeah Speaking of crowdfunding, let me let me throw this idea out at you because I'm we're we're getting an end of our hour here, but let me let me throw this too, uh, because we still have there's there we haven't even gotten to the Harvey Awards, which were part of New York Comic Con as well. Right, I mean it's true. Not that I recognized very many of the titles that were in the Harvey Awards, but it, anyway, in any case. So um, on on Saturday's Good Morning Multiverse, Christopher was talking in in the Vault of the Killer Bees about a new a new game, uh, a board game called B Movie, and basically the uh, the idea here is uh, that you get a, a combination of different cards that give mm. you your elements for the movie that you have to pitch. And here's the piranha card, and here's the family card, and here's the here's the post-apocalyptic card, and here's yeah. the you know the radioactive monster card. As it, so you get a combination of like three or four cards, and based on those cards, you have to do a pitch. And depending sure. on how everybody else responds to the pitch, you score points and you get little tokens and whatnot. And then whoever's got the the thing at the end, that's that's the movie that gets made. You win the game, right? So okay, I got to thinking, sure. what if we, what if we did this game? We took every, you know, everybody that we could get together, we get together, and we play this game, and we come up with a concept for something, and then we crowdfund it and make that as a short film. That could be fun. That could be fun. We, we used to have a competition. Here in the in the Independent Filmmakers Coalition of Kansas City, used to have the Fiery Wheel of Film competition, <laughs> where you would basically have like you we literally got one of those spinny wheel things, yep, the, the yep. vertical things with the, and um, you would have like every single spoke of that wheel would have a different element, and you'd spin it, and it's like you'd come up with this random it, random plot generator. No. And um, the good news is, is that they were often a lot of fun. <laughs> um, they were not necessarily good movies, but they were often a lot of fun because some things don't go well together. Um, <laughs> and you make them sit there and go, well, I'm, I'm going to make it work. Um, and, you know, it, it was a good entertainment, just not necessarily good, good movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, of course, that unfortunately is something that uh, here's another reminder, folks. Um, box office does not mean quality. Um, True. This is a, I think, I think this is a, a reminder we have to have periodically. No. Um, in this era of, it has to make two hundred million dollars or it's not profitable. Okay, but is it good? Um, a reminder. It was just we did some John Carpenter news, a little bit of John Carpenter news um, this last week. Uh, this episode of. Saturday's episode of Good Morning Multiverse. Good God, I can't talk. Um, a carpenter, you know, wants to make Dead Space as a movie. Yeah. Periodic reminder. This is a guy who has defined a significant chunk of what we think of as modern horror with The Thing, with Halloween. Um, and The Thing was a box office bomb. It's one of the most influential horror films of the 20th century. It is still influencing horror today. It influences movies, comics, Novels, 
toys, everything. Yeah. Games. Well, Dead Space. Dead Space and, is a John Carpenter space game. And not uh, everything. And not everything that John Carpenter has made has been good. And there's so no question there's, that's you know, true. Ghosts of Mars is awful. <laughs> but here's. But again, you're and you're you're just your periodic reminder that some really really bad movies make a lot of money, yeah. and some really really great movies make no money. And maybe and we can our, maybe we can make us a, a little mediocre short film that makes a little money and entertains. Who knows? We'll see. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us for this uh, for this hour in this discussion. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Leave your comments, share your thoughts. Uh, you can send us an email h two o at sci fi dot com. You can also sign up for our newsletter. And I do want to encourage you all to go over and connect with us on Rumble and on Odyssey. Uh, there's some stuff there. Um, Odyssey is running a, uh, a, new, th- a new feature in beta. Uh, and you can see right there uh, next to our username, that little badge, they have rolled out memberships. Mm. And uh, now uh, you can, um, there's a couple of different ways that you can support the channel through Odyssey. One of them is the green button that's labeled support, which lets you just send us money. And then the join button, if if you get a membership on Odyssey then you can do kind of a subscription-based thing where you can you can do a monthly thing. So th- that's in beta right now. Not everybody can do it. I'm not sure exactly what the status is as far as the general rollout. But uh, there's different things on the way. There are different, different perks and different processes that we're going to do to try to... Try to uh, spread out our monetization a little bit more and and see what what transpires but uh, we'll have we'll have some additional announcements some different things as we get closer to the end of the year and that's going to do it for us tonight thanks very much everyone for being here don't forget uh, you can uh, check out any of the rest of the shows that we've got uh, this show is also available as a podcast and if you do listen to us as a podcast I do also want to encourage you to check out the video every now and again because sometimes we throw stuff up on the screen that just doesn't translate to radio. So, <laughs> Although we are much, much handsomer uh, in, in podcast form. Yes, we are. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, everybody. Thanks very much for being here. Have a good night. Have a good night, guys. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2022, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 